This week, uh, Peter Stanford, a, a journalist, a writer, has uh, published a new book, and it's called How to Read a Graveyard, Journeys in the Company of the Dead, where he kind of explores uh, what he describes as the mystery and the power of burial sites, and he calls for us to rethink our attitude to death. He writes about how as a society and as a culture, we've become squeamish about death. We remember the dead, but we forget their fate, he writes. And so we talk of battling with illness, as if it's a fight that we can always win if we just try hard enough. Uh, And we fool ourselves, he writes, right up to the very last minute, that we are immortal that death is something that happens to other people, but not us. So uh, in this book, he kind of explains some of the imagery that you'll find in graveyards, particularly in older graveyards. You might find graves that have skulls and skeletons on them, and they're, they're not there to kind of freak you out. They're not there to spook people out. They were put on these uh, tombs as, in a sense, a statement of faith, of belief in the resurrection of the dead on a future day of judgment. And this is what Jesus actually taught his disciples. um, That one day he would speak and all the dead would be raised to give account of their lives before God. And the Apostle John records this in John chapter 5. Put the words up. Do not be amazed at this. Jesus says, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. This uh, Christian teaching of the resurrection of the living and the dead to this final day of judgment is, of course, not widely uh, popular in our culture today. Uh, Many people would espouse the words that were written a long time ago by Bertrand Russell, who um, summed up his view in this way, I believe that when I die, I shall rot, and nothing of my ego will survive, said Russell, and many uh, have followed that line. I suppose the only view that uh, is popular today is that if people live on in some way, they live on in the uh, memories of uh, those that they have left behind. That's kind of the popular common view today. So what difference would it make if there was no resurrection from the dead? Well, please open your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And you'll find this on page 1,155 in the church Bibles, page 1,155. Last Easter, I preached on the first 11 verses. And it's going to take a few more Easter's yet to finish this whole chapter, but we're on to the next section. It's a great annual series. The Apostle Paul is writing to a Christian church based in the city of Corinth in the first century. So let's read this, verse 12 of chapter 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Let's just 
pause there for a moment. See, from the earliest days, this teaching of a future day of bodily resurrection did not fit with the way people thought in the first century. It wasn't a trendy idea back then either. And it seems that some in the church in Corinth uh, were beginning to teach that there would not be a resurrection from the dead. And so Paul is writing here to persuade them about how disastrous it would be if that was the case. So back to our reading. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. We don't know why that they were starting to come to the opinion that there was no resurrection from the dead. But Paul here drives home with relentless logic, I think, the awful consequences of there being no resurrection from the dead, if they were right. So no resurrection from the dead means that Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead. If there's no resurrection, if there's no bodily resurrection, then Jesus Christ was not bodily raised. Verse 13. And if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then Christian preaching is, is useless. Uh, look at the beginning of the chapter you can see the the way that Paul preached to them when he first came to Corinth. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. So this was his message. This is what you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. That's the Christian message. This is a message that saves people. If Verse 2, you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. So what was this message? Well, look at verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing about Christian preaching. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and to the Twelve. And so Paul is saying to them, look, that message that I preached to you, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not raised from the dead. And so Christian preaching is, is absolutely useless and really should be consigned to the bin.
More than that, verse 15, all the apostles are liars, for they claim to be eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ after he'd risen from the dead. If you look back at chapter, uh, verse 5, that, that's how he goes on at the beginning of the chapter, that after being raised from the dead, he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom were still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Peter and John ran to the tomb that first Easter Sunday and found what the women who had been there earlier, what they had said was right. The, the body where Jesus is, the, the tomb where Jesus' dead body had been laid was empty. And on multiple occasions, over 40 days, the disciples testified that they had met with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He had taught them over those 40 days. Uh, he'd had a had a barbecue with them on the beach, a nice fish barbecue. Uh, they, they had touched him. They had spoken to him. It was a real physical resurrection. That's what they preached. The resurrection event was transforming to them. They had been frightened disciples. They'd just seen Jesus crucified. They were cowering, frightened about what the authorities would do to them. But suddenly they became these bold preachers in the very city where Jesus had been crucified. They stood up and proclaimed uh, about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. What else would explain this transformation but the, the reality that he'd been raised from the dead? The heart of the Apostle Paul's story was that he'd been a zealous Jew, persecuting Christians for their claim that Jesus was the Christ. And so determined was he to destroy Christianity, that he went to Damascus to, to find some more and throw them into the prison and see that they were killed. But on that road to Damascus, famously, he met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And his life was turned around. Jesus commissioned him to become a preacher to, to the nations. That had been their story. But no resurrection means that the apostles were telling a colossal lie. And, and to a zealous Jew like um, Paul, the thought of telling a lie about God was, would have filled him with horror. And if the apostles were lying about the resurrection, then, then we cannot trust anything about what they said. We would need to really take the whole of the New Testament and um, just throw it into the bin as something completely useless. If there's no resurrection from the dead... You might as well just rip up the New Testament and throw it away. Totally uh, useless. Ooh. Too many props. But it's not just Christian preaching that would be useless. It would be Christian believing that would be useless. Your faith would be useless. See, the, the Corinthians and all Christians since have personally put their faith in this gospel message about Jesus Christ. This message that the apostles preached. But if the body of Jesus was merely stolen from the tomb and then was decomposing in some other burial site, then our faith in him as the Savior uh, who saves us from our sins, our faith in him as the Lord over all things, is utterly worthless empty and futile. 
I mean, what is the point of putting your trust in a, in a dead man? Uh, what help can a corpse give you to do anything? Utterly useless. And Paul just spells it out more. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. You see, we read the essential message there of the gospel back in verse 3, that Christ died for our sins. That, that, is, that is a pretty essential claim of, of Christianity, that the death of Jesus achieved this. But, you know, how could we know that our sins were forgiven and paid for if Jesus had simply died and remained in the grave? The way that you know uh, that a uh, prisoner has completed his sentence is he leaves the prison. And so we could never know that our salvation had been completed uh, unless Jesus was raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the proof uh, that our, our sins have been paid for, that our guilt before God has been dealt with. God raising Jesus from the dead is the assurance of our salvation, the assurance that that we are justified, that we are declared right before God. And so if Christ is not raised from the dead, then our sins remain unforgiven. What a tragic situation that would be. Over the last uh, six to eight months, sort of the hottest tickets out there have been for Mumford and Sons concerts around the country. Um, and I read this week about uh, 100 concert goers uh, who were turned away from a, a Mumford and Sons gig uh, after being found to have had fake tickets. Uh, some of these people had paid £200 in a ticket reseller uh, for tickets that were originally worth 25 quid. So having paid 200 quid, they turn up to the concert and they looked at the ticket and said, sorry, you can't come in. Those are fake tickets. Now that's, that's a tragic rip-off. But how... how I mean, it's inconceivable to imagine the horror of going through life thinking that you've been forgiven of your sins, that you have a genuine ticket to uh, the best party forever in heaven, and you rock up to, to, to God, and, and God says, no, you, that's false, that's bogus. You, you're still in your sins. You, you, you have no admittance into heaven. You're still under my judgment. How horrific if our sins remain unforgiven. That would be the situation if Christ is not raised from the dead. Our faith would also be useless, uh, which hopes that Christian friends and family who've died, uh, that they are enjoying the conscious presence of Christ. This is the Christian hope, the assurance that, uh, that now those who have died are actually merely asleep in the Lord and that they are enjoying eternal um, bliss, that they are uh, free from pain and frustration, that they are with Christ. And it is an absolutely horrific thought that those who have died believing in the resurrection hope have actually instead perished, that there is no day of reunion, there is no eternal day of celebration with God amongst his people. Do you see how central is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Uh, 
if he didn't die for our sins upon the cross, and if he was not raised on the third day, then the whole of the, of the Christian faith really is useless. It's empty. It's pointless. Some people have said, well, do you know what? Even if it's not true, the Christian life is um, it's such a great way to live that it'd be worth living that way, even if it wasn't true. Well, not according to the Apostle Paul. Do you look back at verse 19? If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, Christians are pitiful people. What pathetic creatures we would be living a life based on assurance and hope if in fact there was no basis for that assurance and hope. Many down through the centuries have actually endured much suffering, have actually taken great risks and have sacrificed much for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's no resurrection, then all of that is a sick hoax. And it was all for nothing. I don't know any more depressing thoughts than the ones I've just shared with you this morning, really. They're nightmarish thoughts. Despairing thoughts. And so I want to wake you up from this nightmare. Wake up. Look at verse 20. But Christ has indeed... Liam Garvey's favorite word. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, the point is, is that Christian preaching is not useless. It's not empty. It is essential. Absolutely vital. Uh, The apostles are not liars, but they were honest, um, trustworthy witnesses. And the New Testament should not be consigned to the rubbish bin, but valued as the greatest treasure. For it alone... Uh, enables us to come to know the truth about God, the truth of what he's done for us through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all who trust in Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross have certainty and guarantee that their sins are forgiven. Every single sin, every way that we have uh, wronged and, and, and broken God's law, it is completely and utterly forgiven, and that all who die in Christ die in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead. My friends, the the fact of the resurrection means that the Christian faith is not to be consigned to the rubbish bin. It is the most crucial and vital thing that you can hold on to. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. If you're not a Christian today, I want to say to you, do not pity Christians. You actually should pity yourself. For you are heading to a resurrection day of judgment without any hope. 
But I want to offer you the opportunity to take hold of the Christian hope for yourself today. I mean, I quoted Jesus at the start of this uh, sermon. In the very same chapter, he says these words from John chapter 5. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Christ died for our sins. Have you repented of your sins? Have you received this offer of the forgiveness of sins by in prayer asking God to um, forgive you? If you've never done that before, this Easter Sunday would just be a great day to do that. To receive this amazing gift of what Christ has done for you, dying for you on Good Friday, being raised for you on Easter Sunday. I can't think of a better way of responding to the message of Easter than doing that today. To do what we heard Alison did and what Mary did to receive Christ and this gift of forgiveness. Why don't you do that today? If you're not a Christian, why why not do it today? What holds you back from such an amazing offer, from such an amazing hope, from such an amazing faith? You are not immortal. One day you will die. And in what confidence and hope will you face that death if not in Christ? One of our um, uh, mission partners, Gudrun Nessler, uh, in Austria, has had multiple strokes. Uh, She probably doesn't have that long to live. And she has just been calling out to God to take her. She wants to go. She's not frightened of death. She knows that she will meet her Lord and Savior. You could have that hope. You could have that confidence. You could have that certainty today by receiving Christ today. Why don't you do it today? Well, maybe you've got questions. Maybe maybe this is all new to you. Uh, It hasn't all quite made sense to you. Well, we're going to be running a, a course called Christianity Explored, and it's going to be running right around this city. And uh, it'll be starting in a couple of weeks. And if you'd be interested to explore in an informal way uh, the essence of the Christian faith, we go through the Gospel of Mark, why don't you get in touch with the office and we'll let you know what your nearest group is. It's going to start in the second week of May, April. So just uh, email the office and we'd love for you to come along and find out about it. But maybe today, maybe you know it's true and yet you've still not received this gift. Why not do so today? I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen. Why don't you take a look at this prayer and see if you want to make it your prayer today. It's basically saying, sorry, thank you, please. Sorry that I've sinned against you. I know I deserve your judgment. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for all my sins and through his resurrection give me a certainty of eternal life. Please forgive me and change me to put Jesus first. Now you could use this prayer right now. 
to get right with him. Let's pray. And if you want to make this your prayer, why don't you pray it silently in your own heart and mind. Father God, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I know I deserve your judgment. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for all my sins. And through his resurrection, give me certainty of eternal life. Please forgive me and change me to put Jesus first. 